Welcome to another episode of the Trusted Advisor podcast and video series powered by the Retail Solutions Providers Association. Our goal on the pod is to accelerate the success of today's and tomorrow's leaders in the retail IT industry. I'm Jim Roddy, back with you again. Thank you so much for joining us. In this episode, we'll discuss changing opportunities for women in the retail technology channel with two members of the RSPA community. Linda Sutterth is the North American Sales Manager for Business Systems at Epson America, where she's been a team member for nearly 26 years. In her role today, Linda's responsible for Epson's retail, hospitality, and financial industries in North America. Linda's an active member of the RSPA, serving on the 75th Anniversary Working Group. Happy birthday, RSPA. Uh, and in 2019, she was named a Women to Women Leader of the Year. Recently, she published a powerful article in RSPA Connect magazine and on the RSPA website titled, A 40-Year Perspective of, quote, a Woman's Place, end of quote, in the RSPA. Linda, thanks for serving the organization and welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here, Jim. Yeah, always a pleasure to talk with you. Our second guest is Ekta Iyer, the co-founder and CEO of RSPA reseller member Alliance Bank Card Systems. Alliance is based in Dallas, Texas, and provides its merchant customers with solutions related to point of sale, mobile commerce, loyalty, security, payments, and more. Ekta is also a member of the WW Committee, and she is also a part of the RSPA Marketing Committee. Ekta, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Jim. Fabulous. So we're going to refer to Linda's article that I mentioned previously, again, a 40-year perspective of a woman's place in the RSPA. So we're going to refer to that throughout our conversation. But before we do that, I'm hoping each of you can give us, I would say, a 20-year-ish perspective uh, of your individual careers. Can you share your path from before you entered this industry to where you are today? Ekta, if you can go first, and then Linda. Sure. Um, this is, it's amazing to be able to say 20 years admittedly. And I think my 20 years starts at a very young age. And, and my first job and my first opportunities um, were in college. And I think that um, it's important to highlight, and it's going to come up frequently, the mentors and the advocates, those people who believe in you before you even believe in yourself. And I think it started at a very early age for me, um, especially with my first job as uh, in corporate finance for Texas Instruments. I was actually recruited by the controller of TI, William Mac McCarthy. He was my first boss and just an amazing mentor. He's the one who, when we talk about men who advocate for women and for young women and for minority women, uh, just an amazing mentor, an amazing um, just advisor in, in career development, but also just life decisions. Um, in relation to that, um, position that I had. I was with TI for three years of, during my college years. And, and what um, is that? I'm also, sorry. What, what You said a PI? PI, <laughs> Texas Instruments. Oh, TI. Okay. I thought you were like private <laughs> investigator. I'm like, oh my goodness. So, okay. Oh, so Texas no, Instruments. No, Got uh, it. Corporate, corporate finance for Texas Instruments. He was the controller. And I had a very specialized role in my second year in procurement um, under Angie Chen Button, who is actually a Republican candidate. Uh, she's here. She's a district candidate here. But um, she headed the Minority Women Initiative at Texas Instruments in the procurement department. When we talk about a powerful Asian woman, someone that's like, that's why I want to be moment. That was my moment. Um, she taught me the power of networking. She taught me how to negotiate, how to advocate for women, but also just advocate for myself. Um, and that's as a teenager. And when you start there, you can only have higher expectations of yourself. Um, 
from there, uh, my career goes on to Transamerica, where I was in the IT department and um, re-engineering projects where we're bringing um, old technology and revamping it, re-engineering it to new tech. And um, from that position, I had taken a little sabbatical. I had, I had family and I had taken some time off, spent more time with my parents and my dad was in payments. And that's how I got introduced to payments and the payments industry. I just started helping him with a few things. Let me automate some of these processes for you. Let me look up and do the tech part of this. I can jump on this configuration. I know what's going on. And when I wanted to go back, to, to my career in IT, he said, nope, you're staying in payments. And that's what we did. We founded Alliance Bank Car Systems, and that's been my journey. Beautiful. Wonderful. Thank you for, for sharing that. Uh, Linda, uh, talk about your journey. Sure. Well, you had said the last 20 years, and that's pretty simple because I've been with Epson for almost 26 years. <laughs> so so that obviously that entire time, I've been in the retail point of sale division selling receipt printers and managing teams selling receipt printers. Prior to that, you know, so my college, I, I got a degree at St. Houston State University, a programming degree, computer science degree. But I, before I graduated the last year, I had decided at that point that programming probably was not going to be my forte. And that was not what I was going to do for the rest of my life. Because uh, like the two Texas gals you got on the phone, we both like to talk a lot. <laughs> so uh, a good friend of mine said, you need to go into sales. So I was like, okay. So my first job right out of college, I went to work for a company called CompuShop, which became business, uh, Beltline Business Systems, and then it it morphed into um, up in Dallas. Anyway, um, we sold uh, PCs. This was at the cusp of PCs when PCs mm -hmm. were just when everybody was getting them in their homes and they were terribly expensive. So I worked for CompuShop for for several years, and then I went to work for CompuAd. Um, CompuAd came up with the first PC-based point of sale for Sears. And um, in my tenure at CompuAd, I managed the Sears account for a few years. So that's where I got my first entree really into point of sale. Always technology-oriented from, from the get-go. Um, and then I went from CompuAd, basically. Siemens you know, acquired CompuAd at one point. I worked there for another couple of years. And then I went to, uh, then I was, uh, uh, Epson came to me one of the consultants and, and suggested that I come to work for Epson. So I've been here for nearly 26 years. And my tenure, when I first started, I, I managed VARs, uh, I think a six state territory. And then over time, it was a six state territory. And I got, you know, a quarter of the U.S. and it was a third of the U.S. and it was a half of the U.S. And then my counterpart, you know, I, I manage the channel and I have a counterpart that manages the end user domain creation team. So now we both have the entire North America um, I, I have channel and Tim Lotta, my counterpart, he manages the end user domain creation. So, you know, in a nut, that's uh, that that's been my world. It's always been technology and and point of sale for the last nearly 30 years. Yeah. Fabulous. And both like give takeaways for our audience there, like there's the mentoring part of it that Ecta, you talked about how important that is. <clears throat> and then also the riding the wave in terms of, you know, create something where you get, a, get into a market that's really emerging and there's going to be growth opportunities uh, for you to do that. So, all right. So thank you for those backgrounds. Linda, we talked about your article. And so I have uh, excerpts of it printed here. And so it starts by saying, quote, being in sales and sales leadership roles, it was the norm to be the only female in the boardroom speaking to a room full of men. I guess, can you start, can you share with us uh, what that was like, you know, back then and, and how <laughs> it's different today from your perspective? Sure, sure. So, you know, way back then, as I just said, I've been doing this, you know, in this industry, probably close to 30 years. One, I was young. 
and I was the only female. So the pitfalls were, you know, you had to make sure men did not speak over you because, you know, back then it was the norm, you know, men spoke to men. And so to, to wedge your way into conversations, you had to wedge your way in your conversations. And my biggest thing is once I had the floor, I controlled the floor, you know, until I was finished with what I wanted to deliver, because part of it was like, when am I going to be able to wedge myself into the conversation again? So that was a big thing. And, you know, you know, back in you know the, those early years, 10 to 15 years, you had to know your stuff. You had to be sharp. You know, you couldn't you couldn't stumble in front of a, a room full of men. So you had to have your act together. You had to know your business. You had to know the technology. You had to speak with command. You had to command the audience. So and you couldn't be intimidated by those loud speaking men. So, you know, that was my early years. And I learned that early on. And I think, Jim, I think I shared a story, which I'll share later uh, about something that I experienced, which, again, I'll share that later. Mm -hmm. yeah. And 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 today, you know, it has certainly gotten better. It has gotten a lot better. One, I'm older. So older people, you know, can't command a little more respect because you've got a lot of history and you've got a lot of experience. Um, but even today with some of my reps that are, you know, in my age bracket, when we go into meetings and if I don't know the people, they don't know me, um, it's always pretty, you know, pretty regularly it's deferred to men. But once we start talking and my reps defer to me on something or I start speaking, then then it's that, oh, OK, you know, then that that trust, that credibility that's all gained in an instant. But I will say to this day, it's still, you know, if, if I go into an environment where I'm not known and I'm with men, you know, there's still a little bit of that. But um, over the years, you get a lot of confidence and you speak with authority. And so it's just it's definitely different now. And, and I would say definitely I don't want to use the word improved. It's just changed. You know, it's yeah. back in the day, things were tolerated and things were different. And certainly, um, you know, the Me Too movement and all that has certainly um, um, given women a voice. So. No, thank you for sharing that. Ekta, I'm curious your perspective. Uh, can you share a story along the lines of Linda's, like when you were the only woman oh. in the room? What was that like for you and what's it like for you today? Oh, I can tell you from when I started and I was quite young. So it was a thank you, little girl, literally. <laughs> thank you, little girl. Moment really? For a lot. Yes. A lot of, uh, I was a very young um, female minority in a room full of very seasoned, experienced, elderly men who have been in the industry, who know each other really well. Um, and I, I, yes, I've actually had little girls. Somebody has actually called me little girl before. Ooh. And we are a family-owned company, so they just deferred to my father before they came to me, you know, and he deferred them to me, which was, again, gave me that authority in that conversation. It, it gave me a little recognition. It gave me his respect so that he was commanding respect from the other person. He, my, I love my father for being able to say, I'm not the one. You need to talk to her. Um, and that definitely was a, a significant, I think, contribution to not only my own confidence and my own ability to have authority in these conversations and, and to believe, um, you know, I can run the show. But um, even today, I, I, if we talk about this last month, I have an ongoing work project, the only female among a group of maybe 10 men. We're, you know, it's, it is it is a very interesting dynamic. It happens even today, but the perspective is different. You know, what um, Linda brought up, a 
few good points. We are talkers. I think <laughs> the ability to speak, the the skill of speak, of talking to other people, of connecting, yep. capturing that audience, commanding the floor. I love that phrase, commanding the floor, because we command the floor because we are smart. We do know our work. We do know our. We are you know experts in our domain. We have that expertise, the knowledge, and the skill sets to transfer that over and to be acknowledged as not this, not this but this and what's actually being spoken so we can conduct some business. And I do think that it's important in an in a, um, environment like this, you have to find your supporters. There are always individuals where we have a cadence in conversation. We have a cadence in thought. And just like somebody might be overlooking me and dismissing me because of my female perspective, um, there, this happens. And, and unfortunately, I think I also have to do it. I have to dismiss their behavior and and their you know dismissal of me and and pick my advocates and my supporters the ones where we're like we have conversation happening and you can just follow when you're ready to follow because i do think the difference is is you're talking to two leaders and so as women who are also leaders we lead in a conversation we very seldom um i don't think i find myself as you know somebody who's overlooked in a conversation because I do assert my authority. And I think that is something that you you can do with warmth. You can do with kindness. You can do in, in, in the female way, you know? I, I love talking and I just find the person that I connect to and we start there and then we build that group of advocacy and supporters within, within that working environment. <laughs> Uh, Jim, this is great. Yeah, go ahead, Linda. Yeah, I was gonna. I was just gonna add, you know, kind of what what we have both said is, when we go to a meeting and it's all men, the respect for the men, it's a given, right? Yes. We have to speak, Absolutely. be heard. We have to earn it. We have to earn it. We quickly earn it. But when you walk in and you're sitting down and it's a group of men, the men automatically have that respect. We have to speak, be heard be credible, and then we quickly earn the respect. So I think maybe that's, uh, that's you know, as I was listening to both of us, yep. that kind of occurred to me. Yeah, no, well said. And that's what I was going to say. Like some of the takeaways from that was wedge your way in, know your stuff, speak up because you've got to, you have to earn it. Um, and I will say this, like it, I, I would assume that most of the listeners to this podcast are men because most of the, you know, people working in the retail IT channel are men. And if guys are thinking this isn't real. So my daughter goes to an all girls school. I'd say 80, 85% of the administrators and teachers are women. And so when I'll go to the meetings, a lot of it's, you know, it's girls, it's female administrators, it's mostly mothers in the room. Like we just had a curriculum meeting the other night and I was like, oh, I'm the only dude in here. Right. And, <laughs> and he goes feeling like, like, okay, I don't know if I should feel permitted to say anything because I'm clearly, you know, different uh, in, in that. So again, if guys are thinking, ah, this isn't real. I've and that's part of the reason why we're having this podcast is I've had that personal experience, but then talking to women over the years, this is a real uh, thing. And, and Linda Necta uh, just articulated it. So I, I also want to get your take on something. So this just happened. We're recording this podcast in mid-February. And so a couple weeks ago, a story went viral about a woman. Her name was Whitney Sharp. This isn't inside the retail IT industry, but she confronted several male employees from a potential client. I don't know if you guys saw this story at all, but on a Zoom call, they were sharing their screen and she could end up seeing their messages that were on there that they didn't know. And one of the messages said, she's an effing bombshell. And so she called them out and rightfully so in terms of like, I'm not going to work in an environment where you guys are doing this, having these side conversations. So I guess I'm curious, what's your 
reaction to that? Are you surprised? Are you not surprised? Are you frustrated we're still talking about this in 2023? Uh, Linda, if you want to take that first, then Ekta. So, um, surprised, no. Um, surprised they got caught, yes. <laughs> in our world of pandemic, the last two and a half years, you know, three years, where we've all Zoom called and we've all Teams called so much, and we all know that messages pop up. So, surprised they got caught at it, yes. And, you know, and, um, and I think the reaction maybe is different. So I'll tell you t two scenarios. So I talked to a gal that I work with, Heavens, she's 30 years younger than me. And, and I asked her, I said, would this be very offensive to you? And she said, yes, it'd be offensive to me. Said, okay, because she's younger. She's in that, in the generation where that's not tolerated anymore. I grew up where it was, you know, it was just the norm. And another colleague of mine who's a little bit older than me, she and I discussed it. And we, you know, we both said, you know, back in the day, it was normal. We just know how to deal with it. You just laughed it off. You didn't take it serious. Thank you. But, you know, come on, you know, let's move on. And so I think the reaction is different and maybe it's a little bit generational. And um, so, I, you know, so surprised. Absolutely not, because, I, you know, those conversations still go on. And I will say that sometimes women might have conversations, too, where it's just maybe a little more discreet and have it verbal discussions from time to time, you know, but, um, so, uh, you know, not surprised. All right. Ekta, uh, what's your perspective on this? Well, kudos to Whitney's, uh, to Whitney for just having the bravery to call them out, because it starts with our response. You know, and I do think that women, she could have seen this and just not said anything. And then that behavior perpetuates. Calling them out is brave. It's her response that directs what happens next now in this scenario. You know, um, it's just disappointing in 2023 that we we live in this culture of, of awareness. We have this, um, we're frequently touted by society all different angles of acceptance of differences. I mean, we're talking about gender and race and age and sexual orientation and the list goes on and on. How is this happening? How is there, there should be no tolerance for this kind of misbehavior from any angle, you know? This is just one female being objectified and that, that was wrong, but it, it happens. And we live in a culture and a society where there is, it's a culture of awareness. It's a culture of accepting differences. That, uh, what we need to nurture. And, and so, Ekta, if you don't mind, can you expand upon, like you said, this is offensive behavior. I am sure mm -hmm. there are some guys who are thinking, hey, if I saw a chat between some women and they were saying that I'm handsome or, you know, something like that, I would be flattered. Like, why, like, why, why would you call that uh, uh, offensive? Um, because I'm not on display as a beauty pageant. This is a work environment. My, my work contribution is, is what should be relevant in this discussion because it's the context of the interaction. That's why. If we're at a bar and you're winking from me, I have an ability to control my reaction in that environment because I know exactly where I am. When I'm in a work environment talking to colleagues or vendors or anybody who is a work contact, there is a context for the communication and that's where the offensiveness, see, boundary, and outside the boundary. 
So outside the boundary of work environment and work-related discussions that would be appropriate for the topic that we're discussing, too, everything else can be considered out of scope. (laughs) Yeah, and is that how you feel, Linda, like Ecta earlier, for those who only have the audio version, when Ecta said they should be thinking not about this, and you were like pointing to yourself as a woman, they should be thinking about this pointing to your brain. Is that how you view this uh, in terms of like, because again, somebody can be like, what's the problem? Someone calling them a bombshell. It's because you're focusing on the looks and making them an object as opposed to you're a contributor to the work here, not just some model to, to, you know, uh, to be seen. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and it just goes to, you know, the conversation material earlier about being in meetings. It's about what we say. It's not about what we look like. Right. And and, and the the, skill sets and the knowledge and the experience that we bring is what's important. It's not the exterior. So absolutely. I'm just, you know, my point was just generationally, we grew up with it. Right. And now we're all conditioned. And, you know, I mean, you know, it's like smoking on a plane. <laughs> you know, when we when we all started flying, everybody smoked on planes, and we know now it's not the right thing to do. So I think it's just, you know, it's a change in the times and yep. awareness. Yeah, and the, the advice I give so men uh, again, I think a lot of men don't intend to make a woman feel uncomfortable, but they do when they comment on their looks. Like I've heard the the booth looks better with you here, or I've had people when I'm it's me and then the uh, woman that they're talking to. I'd rather talk to her than you. So my guidance to men has been like, would you make that comment to another guy? Like, how would you feel that if a guy said that to you at the booth? Like, I'd rather talk to you. You make this place look beautiful. You've got to be like, that's <laughs> like, how am I supposed to think that, right? Like, that's the reality of it. So, again, I know, uh, and again, we're, we're sharing this so some folks can say, well, I never thought of it that way. That's why we're sharing, uh, we're having this podcast. So, I do, uh, I have a quick a commercial to share, but before Thank I do you. that, oh, go ahead, Acta. Jim, I think this is just about creating awareness. It's not about badgering or trying to, you know, offend anybody else with this discussion as well. It, I think these type of discussions create the awareness that needs to happen. Amen. Very good. All right. Uh, so before we take a quick break, I want to go back to Linda's article for one more question. So uh, Linda shares a story about Lynn Skirla Perkins, who recently retired as the president and CEO of Skirla's POS Solutions in Alaska. Lynn is a former chair uh, of the RSP board. And so uh, this is what Linda wrote. I feel like this is meet the press, Linda. Linda, you wrote this earlier. Uh, she said she, she worked at Skirla's for her parents and her teens before taking over the company years later. During industry event receptions and even engagements, there was a tendency for resellers or vendors to engage in conversation with her husband first. Uh, and I do have to say, I do know Doug Perkins, Lynn's husband. And it's funny because I know Doug would listen to them and be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm an attorney. <laughs> like, um, And so I'm curious, uh, uh, Ecta, if we can start with you, like I think you alluded to, you did experience mm-hmm. that, you know, with your dad. Do you experience, does yeah. still experience that today? I mean, you are speaking my story here. I am a second generation legacy. I have founded Alliance Banker Systems with my father and um, had the privilege of just seeing um, the type of respect and recognition that he's given me. He lets me, he, I've got control of the company, you know? He lets me make my independent decisions and defers to me for major things that um, in a traditional business environment, I would not have those opportunities. I think that that, um, that is the opportunity. That's the true opportunity. Um, when somebody, you know, acknowledges you, recognizes you, you are seen for your contributions. And then now I can, I can contribute. <laughs> I can contribute more 
and more. And as my experience and my maturity and my work grows, that skill set, that knowledge base, it is it is a value now to the company, you know, and, and I think that um, advocacy, advocacy and mentorship is going to be something that you're going to hear from me frequently because I think I've experienced it. I've benefited from it from different areas um, in my life, and I think that that is going to circle back when we talk about what can be done. And I, I do think that um, when, when I entered this industry, my father and I founded the company. We were negotiating contracts. We had very seasoned um, individuals on the other side, all single, like all white males, you know, um, it was, it was definitely a, a pivot for me and my career that my father said, not me defer to, you know, yep. he would defer back to me, meaning he would, he would say, don't talk to me. You got to talk to her, you know, and it would, the conversation would be directed. I, the two of us are standing, the conversation would be directed to him and he'd be like, oh no. Her. Yeah. Yeah. And with all de- with all delegation, the manager has to have the discipline to say, I could answer this question, but I shouldn't be answering this question. Okay. Yeah. And that's a great sign of a leader, a leader who knows that they brought in the right resource for that position and then let them run with it. And I think that's what he's let me do. Fabulous. So that is my uh, story. I think I could, I could, I can completely relate yes. with this part of the article. <laughs> yes, we'll have to have you and uh, and Lynn make sure you meet at uh, at retail now this year if uh, if she does attend. So uh, having retired Lovely. a bit. Yeah. And so Linda, can you talk about before we uh, go to commercial break? Uh, like, do you still experience that at times where again you're leading all of North America and there just happens to be a guy there and somebody's like, well, you must be the decision maker, sir. Um, yeah, you know, it definitely happens sometimes. Like I think I said earlier, you know, when I am at, at industry com- you know, conferences or in meetings and I have some of my people that are more or senior or my boss that's senior, it's automatically deferred to, to, to him, to him, either of the hymns. Um, but they will quickly turn it back. And, on, and also my husband from time to time will come with me to conferences. And if we're at uh, cocktail receptions, and there's conversations going on. It'll be kind of be deferred to him. And part of that's probably man to man, you know, but he'll he'll quickly say, I'm the spouse. <laughs> you know, you know, this is my wife. You know, she's the one who manages the channel for Epson and it'll quickly get deferred. So, you know, absolutely. Absolutely. It still happens. But but not, not as much. Not as much. And, and I think part of that yeah. seniority, too, you know, being a little bit yeah. older in the industry. Uh, we also, I think, do have to recognize the societal, like what we've been programmed, because I can say mm-hmm. I can remember, boy, this is going back 25 plus years, but um, I had somebody work with a woman and she talked about going to see her doctor. And I would say, what did he say? And she would say, <laughs> she and I'd be like, oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, <laughs> you know, because it was burned in my brain and probably every uh, cartoon I'd seen up until then that had a doctor. It was a guy, right, is, is what it was. So I guess we just have to recognize that and get, get ourselves and kind of change uh, our perspective um, in terms of, uh, of understanding that. Exactly. And I think that's part of it, <laughs> just a learned behavior. <laughs> All right. Let's pause here to let our listeners and viewers know the retail, uh, a little bit more about the Retail Solution Providers Association. The RSP is North America's largest community of VARs, software developers, vendors, and distributors in the retail, restaurant, grocery, and cannabis verticals. The RSP is perfect fit for an organization that's serious about growth in those markets. 
we also want to thank our sponsors who support the RSPA community and make this podcast and video series possible. Our platinum sponsors, Blue Star. Our gold sponsors are CoCard, Heartland, ScanSource, and Star Micronics. And with this being a special episode, we want to thank our sponsors of the RSPA WW community, Blue Star, ScanSource, Star Micronics, and Epson. <laughs> to receive the benefits of an RSP membership or RSP sponsorship, email membership at gorspa.org. Finally, you want to save the date for Retail Now 2023. That's the Retail IT Channel's number one trade show, education, conference, and networking event. This year's event is set for July 30th through August 1st at the Gaylord Palms in Orlando. Retail Now is where the industry meets. All right. So, Linda, let's get back to uh, your article here again. Thanks so much uh, for writing it. Made my job a lot easier for this uh, episode. Um, And so you wrote in the 80s and 90s or let me let me jump to this one. Uh, So because I know we have uh, only about 15 minutes left. So uh, it said today when attending conferences and any other industry events, there is noticeably an increased female presence sitting on panels, leading discussions, presenting as subject matter experts and attending as representatives of their respective companies. And so I know like that is certainly true, especially in the vendor world and the distributor world, but it's definitely lacking in VARs and ISVs. I can say, again, I wanted for this conversation, Linda, to talk to you. I wanted to talk to a female VAR or ISV executive. That is not a particularly long list, right? In, in order to choose from, right? ECTA doesn't have like 150 other people to compete with. So I'm curious, and like we have, RSP has a niche and startup ISV community. It's open to all software developer members. We have 74 individuals, remember that community? 67 of them are men, only seven are women. So that's like 90%. So I guess, Linda, like, I again, I agree with you that we do see more of a female presence, but what can we do about the lack of, you know, female leaders in VAR and ISV? SV communities. What, why is that? What can we do about it? So, you know, I caucus this with a few people internally as well, you know, kind of thinking, out, trying to think out of the box, you know, and, you know, one, you know, to start an ISV company, it's entrepreneurship. So we've got to incent women to become entrepreneurs or that's an, an innate desire, you know, partially, right? But I think there's got to be courses and education about entrepreneurship and what to do and how to incentivize women to go in those areas. And I think there's got to be something to incentivize women to go into the maths and sciences and technical fields and engineering, uh, because for me, that's what led to, te- you know, to get into the technical fields. So there's got to be, you know, it's either, you know, innate desire, which that was always me. I always liked maths and sciences, but I was the abnormal gal, in, you know, in high school. Most you know, most girls at that time, that wasn't their forte. It's not, it's not anything they liked. I loved the maths and sciences. So I don't know if it's an innate thing or people need to be incentivized and pushed a little bit to say, hey, stretch, get into the sciences. And I think, you know, today's age, you know, the sure jobs, technology, right? Medical fields, you're going to always need doctors. You're going to always need nurses. You're going to always, the technology is always there. So I think there's got to be a push and an awareness and a, and a push for women to engage in those in those fields of study. I think that's part of it. Um, I think, you know, the leadership part too in those fields, you know, so many people grow up in single parent households. And it's not always, certainly it's not always, but a lot of times it's the mom. Right. It, you know, it, it's, it's a single mom. So I think I would think that people growing with, with, you know, with their mother being the leader of the household, I think that's going to lead to more women going into leadership roles because they're going to see mo- mom did it all. Mom did it all. And then also dad did it all, too, when it's, you know, a dad with, with the kids. Um, 
I just think innately we're going to have more women moving into leadership roles because they're going to have, they're going to have had that role model their entire life, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. They can, they can see somebody that they can uh, aspire to be yeah. as opposed to the, yeah. the pioneers had to kind of dream it and, and to your point, yeah. wedge their way into the conversation. Uh, so Ekta, tell me, what is your take on why do we have so few uh, female executives in the VAR and ISV world? So I don't have an exact answer, but I have a thought. And I'm going to piggyback from where Linda left off, and one is role models. I do think when women are ahead of us, it's easy to follow. It's sometimes harder to be the trailblazer and to, you know, be the one that actually creates that opportunity for women behind us. Um, I do also think that some of these positions are very specialized roles and functions. So speaking of the STEM type of careers, you know, women tend to be brought into these generalist and multifunction roles instead of the specialized roles. Like this is a very specialized, finite set of skills and you go deep instead of being a jack of all trades, you go deep into, uh, you know, this one special area. And it's just a thought. And, and I think uh, Linda shared it where she was talking about, you know, I've also tended to be the nerdy girl. I don't mind being the nerdy brainy one. And um, I can dive deep into a conversation and not feel bad. And when I get to the point where I don't understand it, I'm also comfortable saying, no, don't get it. And I think that's what creates understanding in, in these special, like in these special areas where I want to grow, where I want to know more and I want to learn and be better. Fabulous. No, thank you for that. Again, I, I, I guess what we're seeing is if we compare the Varn ISV community where it is today with 10 years ago, it's better. And maybe that's what we just need to do is keep making incremental improvement. It'd be great if, you know, what, half the population is women that suddenly half the population, right, are going to be, uh, you know, leaders in our field. But maybe it's just a, a few steps at a time. I know in the cannabis industry, it's a way higher percent of female executives because you didn't have to turn over the whole, you know, patriarchal system uh, is essentially what it was. They're able to start from, from more of a modern day standpoint. So. Interesting. All right. So we have about 10 minutes left. I want to talk about opportunities uh, today. So, uh, Linda, what are the biggest opportunities that you see for women uh, in our industry today in the retail IT channel? You know, it, for me, it's very simple. It's ever whatever they want to do. I think they can do anything. They can get into sales. They can be a programmer. They can be an engineer. They can get into tech support. They can get into management. They can get into executive management. It's whatever they want to do and work hard to do and be noticed and be seen and and work as hard as the the men out there. I think, you know, it, it's whatever they want. I mean, they can do anything. There's nothing that they can't do. I mean, I guess that's a simple answer. There's nothing that they can't do. <laughs> it's just that it's whatever they want to do. Yeah, and tying in with the society. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I just want to uh, add on. So, Ecta, or uh, before uh, Ecta, if Linda, I can just add on to it. So, uh, there's also the societal things of before. You know, girls couldn't play all the sports that they have the choice of. My mom could not play interscholastic basketball. All she could do is foul shooting, right? That's all that they had for the girls. But now it's like, you know, uh, outside of, you know, maybe football on one, you know, football, the very few girls play that, um, you know, and not a lot of boys play volleyball. For the most part, girls have a ton of opportunities, broadly, athletically, academically, things of that nature. So, Ecta, sorry for interrupting. Can you talk about what do you see are the biggest challenges? Biggest or the biggest opportunities. Biggest I'm sorry, biggest opportunities. So I was going to say, Linda and I are like right there. My answer was literally <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> One word. And and I actually, I actually Googled the definition of an opportunity, which is a circumstance that makes possible to do something. 
And so that's really what it is. Creating, it's the responsibility of leaders to create those circumstances, to advocate, to mentor, to create the circumstances that make it possible for someone to do something. So everywhere. Fabulous. I love it. Well, let's dive in and, and have some more actionable information if the, the opportunities are wide open. Uh, so let's close on that. So advice for both men and women uh, in our channel. So Ecta, if you want to go first, what advice would you have for the men in our industry to help minimize the challenges and maximize those opportunities for women? I will commend any man who's listening to this and has reached this point in, in the reporting because you are creating awareness in yourself but now share it, share it with your buddies, share it with a friend, share it with colleagues, because the awareness is the first actionable step. That's really what it is. And then second, I think advocacy. Um, we do have to advocate for other people who perhaps need those, again, those circumstances to create opportunities for them. You know, you see potential in someone, um, commend them for it. Even an encouraging word, is, is, is something that helps that person. Now, if you have the ability to, for decision-making to really say, I'd like to appoint you for this particular responsibility, that's being an advocate in a, in a different type of level, especially if you're in a manager or leadership position. So, Great. And, and, and if I'll, you could just, ex if you can expand upon the sharing part, it's not so much, hey, you're doing this wrong. It's more, have you even thought about this? Are you considering this? Is that more of what you're saying when you share it with folks? Absolutely. After listening to this discussion or anything similar, you've learned something. You've become aware of something that you did not know before. And, and that sharing of information, wow, I learned that, you know, this is important. This is something that I can be doing. This is something that I do that I shouldn't be doing. You know, um, those are those are good discussions because I think on a level where men talk to one another, they they create the awareness on, on a different type of level than where I'm just like, where we're all having this. I feel like the listeners were probably already, it's like preaching to the choir, you know, but then it's, it's really about passing that baton of information on so that we can just run this race. Cause it's a very long race to run. Yeah. It's, it's a journey, no doubt. Uh, Linda, give me your take. What would the advice be for your guy, for the guys in terms of uh, how they can help minimize challenges, maximize opportunities for women? I think for me, the biggest thing is, you know, as we all, it's skill set. It's skill set. It's the talents that they bring is to look at the talents. Don't look at the, the gender, right? It's all about the talents and the skill set. You know, I, like I said, I've been with Epson for almost 26 years. I've had all male bosses since I've been here. My male bosses have always lifted me up. I, I've ha I haven't had this issue because I've, they've always looked at the skill set and they've always lifted me up and given me exposure. So I think that's the same thing that I would ask of any any male hiring women or or having a woman on their team is <laughs> look at the skill set and lift them up, give them exposure. That's what both of my bosses here, my most long-term bosses was exposure. They gave me exposure up top and allowed me to to gain you know experience, you know working at the executive level and um and just made me a known entity in the company. So it's, you know, evaluate what, what they bring to the table. Everybody's got, you know, special gifts and talents. Identify what those talents are, explore those talents, grow the talents. What is the book? Um, uh, right here. 
the Clifton strengths, right? So mm-hmm. Identify the yeah, strengths, strengths and grow the, Yep. Right. And, yeah. and, and identify what those strengths are and grow those strengths and expose those and figure out where those talents fit and, and provide opportunities, additional opportunities. So they're not stalemated into one position the entire time. It's like, what are the strengths? How can we build those? How can we, you know, grow you in the company? So I would just, you know, opportunities. And so is the advice, so the advice for guys is build the skills of women. And so my last question is, you know, what advice do you have for women in our industry, especially those starting out? Is that essentially where it starts? Like build your skills, get better so they can't keep you out of the room, right? They're going to want to have you in there 100%. For me? So, yes, I would say be seen, be heard, know what your skill sets are, know what your talents are, know what your gifts are. Make sure that you expose them to all the appropriate people. Work hard. That's how you get promoted is work harder than everybody else and go the extra mile. Do extra pet projects. Do things to get noticed. Um, And then good things will come. I mean, that's that is that has suited me very well and has served me very well. And, you know, in my, you know, in my tenure and my work at Epson and work before is just work hard, be seen, be heard. Don't be a shrinking violet. Yeah. Great advice. Ekta, what's your advice uh, for women in our industry? And to piggyback on that, I think it's just about being yourself. Because I think too frequently women are trying to be who they think they're expected to be. And have your voice, know know your stuff. Show your stuff. You know, we, we know our skills. We know we know our knowledge set. We're there in the room for that reason. And so share your knowledge. Share, share your skills. Be there. I think as an entrepreneur, the other thing that I've learned is about taking risks. And sometimes it is about taking risks. It's about asking the questions that may be difficult and out, outside of our comfort zone, um, seeking those mentors and those partners who are really going to help us to grow, to to get to the next level, seeking those opportunities. Sometimes we have to create opportunities for ourselves. It can be seen as aggressive. It can also be seen as opportunistic. But at the end of the day, um, women have value in this industry. And I think the ideas that we can share and grow and that whole riding the wave of technology the way it is, there's so much new newness. There are opportunities. Find your area of interest and ride that wave, take it as far as you can, and then partner with mentors and advocates who help you take it to the next level when you find yourself stuck. That's fabulous and, advice. And Jim, I've got one more comment. <laughs> one more comment. Yes, one, final word. One, one liner is, you know, don't wait to be noticed. Make sure you're noticed. You know, to me, that's that's the end all. <laughs> <laughs> I think Wonderful. you found two women who know how to be noticed. So, <laughs> you know, it, it's like this is this is where it's easy for us because we've we've had that journey. Where women are in the beginning of this journey, I can completely understand. It can be intimidating. It can be scary. It can feel like, oh no, not me. But it is you. It is you. Wonderful. That's great advice. So glad you guys are part of the RSP community and so uh, glad that we had a chance to talk today. So, well, that does it for this episode of The Trusted Advisor. We hope you enjoyed this special discussion. If you did, be sure to subscribe to the RSP YouTube channel and The Trusted Advisor podcast so you never miss an episode. We'd also appreciate it if you'd rate us wherever you find your favorite podcasts. My personal philosophy is the more stars, the better especially when you're in Dallas, like uh, ECTA. Uh, And if you'd like to learn more about best practices for VARs and ISVs in the retail technology industry, 
check out the RSPA blog. You can find it at GoRSPA.org and then clicking on RSPA blog. Before we go, thanks again to Linda and Ekta for sharing their wisdom with us today. Thanks also to RSPA Marketing Ooh. Director Chris Arnold for his production work, Joseph McDade for our music, and last but not least, thanks so much to you for listening. Our goal at the RSPA is to accelerate the success of our members in the retail technology ecosystem by providing knowledge and connections. For more information, visit our website at GoRSPA.org. Thanks for listening and goodbye, everybody. Bye.